This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on water. And dryer coverage. Just call 1 800 686 3910. That's 1 800 686 3910. Again, 1 800 686 3910. Call now. This is the Blaze Radio Network. Hence, this is the Jaily News. Excelsior. Welcome back, my radio family. I don't know, but I think I do, that you feel this like I do, that the level and nature and magnitude of excitement every day not only builds, but is just so satisfying because there is so much news in every cycle. There is just so much news. I think back, I endeavor to recall our being together at this time last year, and it was interesting. It was great. But how did we ever get through, you know, the show (laughs) without the nature and level of excitement that we now have every day? Welcome back. It's the Jaily News on the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-33. Nine three one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Thank you for everyone who endeavored and succeeded in calling their congressman, the White House complaint line, and everyone else last night when Fox News was in the uncharacteristic business of misleading the American public. Now I don't say that lightly or easily. And last night I said that Fox News was lying. Under the circumstances and having considered everything, I think the charge can stick. Because at the moments that our special forces were pinned down under fire, Benghazi 2 was underway. And Fox News was was in possession of the knowledge that one helicopter had come in and taken away a body and two wounded in action and left all the other guys there, all of our other guys there. 
vastly outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, facing nearly certain death. Benghazi 2. At that moment, as I tweeted to you last night, shortly after the end of this, our program. And Fox knew this and was saying, well, they, they got in, they took out a body and two wounded, but they couldn't take out anybody else because of the withering ground fire. And so the other helicopters had to withdraw. And then they reported, the anchor said, well, that's wonderful news. That's wonderful news. There's been an evacuation, and, uh, and so our guys are okay, and that's great. And the fact is, that's not what happened. That's not what was happening. The maximum extent of evacuation was that we were heroically, courageously, able to take out one dead Navy SEAL and two wounded ones. But all the other guys stayed there. And Fox kept saying, they, they kept running a Chiron banner saying, courageous evacuation, you know, saves U.S. troops. Okay, well, how do you read that? It saved two wounded troops, took out a body of a dead hero, but all the other troops were there. And as of five minutes ago, those troops are still there, pinned down by enemy fire, because we don't have enough troops to be there. Now, whether you believe we ought be there or oughtn't be there, we don't have enough troops to support what we're doing. You don't take a girl out on a date with a dollar fifty in your pocket. Unless you're going to something that costs 74 cents each, not including tax. We have no business being at these outposts with 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 guys. We are abandoning our own men to the certain fate of Black Hawk Down and Benghazi too. And at the moment, I was, as I have remained, fairly crazed, having lost someone dear to me in combat, shot in the head, dead, Fred. I remain, and I don't need that, and neither do you, to be outraged. I remained in a fairly cantankerous state of mind last night while Fox News was reporting on the one hand that our guys remained there pinned down under fire, though they never said that. They just ran banners saying, good news, heroic evacuation. And what I wish to do is apologize to Fox News, and I will write to them and say this, but I'm saying it now where most people will hear it on the air for the record. I apologize. I extend, I extend an apology to Fox News to the extent that I used the word lying. I cannot prove they were lying. I can, however, prove, and you may have witnessed it in real time, I can prove that they were misleading you and me grossly as to the facts of the matter and of the moment. And that they knew better. They knew better. 
And what they were reporting at that moment was grossly misleading. I am prepared to withdraw my charge of lying and substitute for it willfully misleading or negligently. Permit me to withdraw and rephrase. Negligently misleading their audience about what was happening. And I expect much more of Fox News. I wouldn't be surprised or upset if it was anyone else. All right, that having been said, so far as I know, our special forces are still pinned down, trapped, under fire, awaiting a circumstance in which choppers, chopper or choppers, can get to them and rescue them. And as all of the special forces who have been appearing on television and radio everywhere all over the world in the last 36 hours to talk about this, uh, or 24 hours, have said, this is not a mistake, this is not an aberration. This scenario is going to recur and recur and recur and recur so long as we have this schizophrenic policy under Obama, and of course it would be worse under Hillary, and that is Obama announced a year and eight days ago, I think, that combat in Afghanistan was over. He never did mention who won. Hey, uh, back there in research, can you find out who won? But what we do know is though Obama refuses to call it combat, we still have dead Americans. And we're going to have dead Americans every day that we try to have it both ways, that we try to be in Afghanistan and claim that our soldiers, our special forces, Navy SEALs, Delta, Army Rangers, they're not there to fight. They're there to advise. Well, they're getting killed advising. And to me, getting killed while peeling potatoes or advising, if you're getting shot at, if you're taking mortar fire, if you have a gun and if it's loaded, you're in a combat zone. That means combat's going on. And it does them, our heroes, and we, Americans, the greatest dishonor to refuse to call this what it is. And in the end, by the way, at the really dirty, ugly end of this, do you know this may prevent the special forces guys who are killed and wounded because the Obama White House insists there is no combat? They're dead. They're very dead. But there is, by claim, no combat. I'll bet you this is going to cost people and families a purple heart. It's going to cost them benefits. It's going to cost heroes being buried in Arlington National Cemetery. The only thing left that we can give them? Yeah, because of Obama. And to make our transition today into the civics circus maximus under Hillary Clinton, who must not, who cannot be elected, There is no more America if Clinton wins. 
because under her, it will be worse. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Here we go, partners. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Overnight, while we slept under the umbrella of care and courage provided us by brave men and women prepared to do violence on our behalf, NOCO, North Korea, exploded something. Now that's all we really need to. I would put to you that that's all we we really need to know there is a debate going on within the circles of people who care particularly and are particularly knowledgeable about such things whether or not north korea's claim has any veracity their claim is they exploded a hydrogen bomb now your humble host did not do well in either chemistry nor physics. And to this moment, I cannot tell you the difference between a hydrogen bomb and a nuclear nuke, uh, except this. What I, I am an ignoramus when it comes to the matter. I mean, I, we should roll this tape because it's, it's, it's truly a collector's item. I am ignorant, I am an ignoramus on the matter of nuclear weapon versus hydrogen nuclear weapon, if they're still the same thing. However, this ignoramus knows the only important thing to know, which I can pass on to you, who probably know more about it than I, and that is this. A hydrogen bomb, pound for pound, bolt for bolt, is generally speaking believed to be approximately 1,000 times more powerful, more destructive than its nuclear sibling. Now, North Korea exploded something 
big and nasty. They claim it was a hydrogen bomb. It has been reported all over the world, starting with the BBC last night, which uh, your humble host heard as it was happening and heard about it all night long. In the early hours, no one could counter the claim nor verify it because it was happening at that moment. The closest monitoring station is in Japan. And that monitoring station or stations was were the first to cast very serious doubt on NOCO's claim that they had exploded a hydro developed and exploded a hydrogen bomb. Most experts are now reporting, or at least disputing, that it was a hydrogen bomb. They believe it was a nuclear bomb quite plausibly with other different new elements mixed into it to make it more lethal or nastier. But again, the experts are saying that their very sophisticated uh, measurement of, of these things tells them it was not a hydrogen bomb. I don't care. I mean, whether or not it was a hydrogen bomb. I mean, I care, but... As I say, I know the only important thing. It's a thousand times more destructive if it is an H-bomb. Let's assume it is or it's not. It's up to you. The important thing to me is that North Korea is simultaneously developing nuclear weaponry, which they've already got, by the way, by virtue of the Clinton administration. I lived through that. I reported on it. I talked about it. Every hour, every day, when it was happening, the Clinton administration gave North Korea nuclear weapons. They didn't have them. They needed 30 years to get them unless we gave them to them, and we did. Bill Clinton did that. You know, wife of maybe the next president of the United States. Okay, what I care about is North Korea is developing simultaneously the weaponry and the means of delivery. And they are saying out loud what other terrorists say. We are developing weaponry and means of delivery so that we can deliver these to the United States of America. We intend to kill America and Americans in the process. Severin Doctrine since it was first propounded. That would be when I was the founding president of my sixth grade uh, primary school civics club and simultaneously the founder uh, and publisher of our first school-wide newspaper. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that. B, have I ever mentioned that before? I do not recall, I, I don't either, so I'm glad I mentioned it now. Since that day in sixth grade when Severn Doctrine was first propounded, my standard for this was simple and compelling uh, in my view. And that is, you've got two kinds of nations. You've got those who mean us very, very serious, that is to say, fatal harm, but cannot do anything about it. They wish to kill us, but they lack the means to do so. 
That's group number one. Group number two, I suppose I should say there are three nations. Group number one, either like us or they don't hate us enough to intend to do anything nasty to us. Okay. Group number two, they want to kill us, but they lack the means to do so. Group number three, they intend to kill us, and now they don't lack the means to do so. When anyone becomes a member of the Group 3 Club, I say we turn them into hot, glowing, inhabitable glass fragments. I say you believe what the terrorists say they're going to do to you. The thing that has protected us so far is that all the nutballs that want to hurt us aren't able to or have decided that it's a suicide mission. But these days, a suicide mission is a good thing. We're back in the era of the kamikaze, and I don't mean the social uh, beverage. I mean we're back in the era of the kamikaze where you become some kind of demigod if you kill yourself and you get your 72 Virginians from the cast of Deliverance if you take your own life uh, while you're killing Americans. North Korea may be the first thing that gets taken care of if Hillary Clinton doesn't win, if you know what I mean. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. are my partners. We have partners on the line. On the line have we partners at one 888 to which I will proceed in mere seconds, really, not J seconds, real seconds, mentioning one postscript from a story still fresh, that is to say rancid, in our minds. Obama weeping, quote-unquote, yesterday as he recited his plans to further dismantle the Bill of Rights. I've monitored, as is my want, as is my obligation to you, as is my joy, I have monitored virtually every news source monitorable here and abroad in the last Don't ask her name. It's not important. In the last 24 hours, I have never seen such universal naivete. I I have not heard or seen one person who addressed Obama's crocodile tears who said other than, oh, he was obviously sincere. I'm talking about the so-called conservatives on television and radio who went out of their way. They could have ignored it. They could have said nothing. 
That wouldn't satisfy me, but it would be superior to what was said because what was said without exception. I mean, not only universal, I mean monolithic expression of agreement that those tears were sincere. Obama was not moved to tears by any deaths deriving from terrorism, jihadism, you know, Muslim jihadism, you know, you know, none of that moved him to tears. Nothing has moved him to tears except the tearing fact that you insist on exercising your constitutional rights. This moves him to tears. And I can't believe there was monolithic acceptance, shameless monolithic acceptance that those tears were real. He is an effing phony. A phony. The phoniest bastard who ever was. But let me just share this with you to make it altogether a happy, not ending, but a happy uh, end of chapter uh, in this ongoing story. Did you hear George Will mention last night when the when this topic came to him at the table during Fox News, during Brett Baer's show, he said, I hope the three of you uh, addressing the host and his other uh, co-panelists I hope the three of you had the good sense today to do what I failed to do, which is buy gun stocks. Because Smith & Wesson, I'm quoting George Will right now, because Smith & Wesson today, meaning yesterday, went up 11%. Smith & Wesson stock went up 11% today because... Americans knew there would be investors, knew there'd be a run on buying guns. George Will said, if Barack Obama were at all sincere about what he says, he would stop talking. Because every time he speaks about gun control, he reminds people that what he means to do is not control guns, but eradicate them confiscate them, end them, criminalize them, to, in bastardly fashion, eliminate the Second Amendment illegally of the Constitution of the United States, of the Bill of Rights. And because of that, every time he opens his mouth, people run out to buy guns, as I tweeted to you yesterday morning. Got gun? Better hurry. And people did, not because of my tweet, I'm just saying. Because Obama spoke on guns and reminded everyone that what he's really trying to do bit by bit is take guns away, Smith & Wesson stock went up 11% yesterday. Uh, My source is George Will on Fox News last night. And then he said, just to make it a little sweeter, Smith & Wesson stock has gone up in the seven years since Obama was elected, 
Smith and Wesson gun stock has gone up. Wait for it. 945%. (laughs) Up 945%. That's the difference between politics and policy. That's the difference between tearing up on cue and actually making change. And again, I don't want any change of that sort. But Obama claims to want it. And every time he opens his communist mouth, gun stocks go up. More people acquire guns. Thank you, Obama. Biggest protector of Gun stocks and guns, ironically, even though he wants you to believe the opposite. Lana from Colorado. My dear, welcome back. You you got those A's right, didn't you? (laughs) Uh, For you. For you, I had to to be very careful. Yes. Uh, I'm calling in defense of Fox News. And this was okay. well after well after your program. It was Megan Kelly who's on at nine o'clock your time. I watched seven o'clock, seven o'clock watched, real yes. time. Seven o'clock yep. real time. <laughs> Mountain um, time, real time. I got you. Real time. Yes, I, I I wanted to get that in, but I believe she corrected the record because she had two people on that were saying it was over. And I can't remember her exact words. Your research people can pull that up, I know. Something about, well, our records show that it's still going on. I can't remember exactly the terms she used. She was quite good. I, I, wa- I watched it live. I okay. watched I watched you know, Fox I, last okay, night until about midnight. I didn't want to put you on the spot, but yes. I, I did no, want no, to point no. out that, that she was very She was very good. But, but Lana, while she did that and i and I, and i and i know that you you may be a bit forgive me but impaired which you've shared with me i can't see that, the headlines yes right and so the chiron titles continued to baffle us as a family as we sat there and despite megan's um i think very honest uh, straightforward attempts to say now we really you know this is very confusing we have you guys here and we've got these bulletins coming in by the second, so we really can't say we know absolutely what's going on. She was superb at that. But they continued throughout the night, throughout the evening, at least up until about midnight, to run very misleading titles, the words up there, that said, is- courageous evacuation, you know, uh, saves Americans. And, and so th- they were still... They were. They still didn't have their act together in terms of an audience could still get the impression watching Fox last night that our guys had been saved. That but is I agree with you. I agree with you that Megan made the appropriate and um, and and uh, under the circumstances, you know, a very very commendable effort to try and say that it was a highly fluid operation. In fact, that's the moment I decided that I would come on today and withdraw my word, my charge of lying, not of her, but of the network, especially earlier in the evening, and replace it with misleading. And one more thing real quick. Uh, On the gun control, I don't know why a campaign person hasn't picked up on this line. 
if you want your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you want your guns, you can keep your guns. <laughs> if that if you lovely? already have your guns. Well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's the whole point. If you have that's your the whole guns, point you of this. Your guns. That's the whole point of this. Because if if you should give to your favorite niece, I don't know if you have any or any favorites, but should you give to your uh, fictional for the moment niece a present of uh, a shotgun or a thirty aught six for her sixteenth birthday? Uh, to hunt or to target shoot or or whatever. Maybe it's a family heirloom. Uh, the, Obama wants you to be a felon because that makes you a gun dealer. You've just made an uh, unregistered, unlicensed sale of a firearm. He wants to put it on the same level uh, as you giving her a bag of heroin. Yeah, that would be bad. That would be bad. But I, I, I think somebody ought to pick up that line and, and use that line. Of course, of course, if I had a gun, that would be dangerous enough in itself. But, you know, <laughs> I couldn't very well. You know what? I'd rather you had one than him. Lana, yeah. I love you. Thank you for calling. Stick with us. Uh, you are a, a, a great contributor always. We will return. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Jim Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393, the number of the Jaily News here on the Blaze Radio Network. Jeff from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Oh, thank you very much, Jay. How's it going? Welcome back, Jeff. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Jay, as far as North Korea is concerned, I think it's a distraction. I think the real threat is Red China combined with Russia. And, and I'll tell you why. First off, look at look at your look at the clothes that you wear and that I wear. A lot of those clothes are made in China. I mean, a, 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 lot, a lot of the food is made in China. We don't have a manufacturing industry practically. It's made in China. And, and, and you see, North Korea is a pipsqueak nation. That's that's number that's number one out of the gate. Number two out. Of may, the may gate, I may, may I interject something before you sure proceed? What you just mentioned is what makes yesterday otherwise maybe just a routine eruption of minor insanity from uh, the Kum of Songyung guy in North Korea. You know, kind of an ordinary, uh, bothersome thing that's not real important. What you mentioned is exactly the reason that that people knowledgeable in these things, I do not include myself. I'm just sharing, stealing what those knowledgeable persons have said, Jeff, yeah. is that exactly because North Korea, impoverished as they are, it is exactly because China is North Korea's biggest trading, such as it is, partner. It's exactly because what little North Korea has they get from China. It's exactly because China's political and and geopolitical influence on North Korea is not only far greater than anyone else's, 
it is pretty much exclusive. And for all those reasons, the fact that North Korea did this against the standing advice of the Chinese government, and in fact, without pre-notification to the Chinese government, means that to a lesser extent than, say, to us, they thumbed their nose at everybody, including China, yesterday. And the reason that that, you know, makes this eligible to be a more worrisome event than it might on the surface appear to be, Jeff, is that if they do something to thumb our nose at us, no one is surprised. But if they went out of their way to thumb their nose at China, the only other entity on the earth, literally, that can claim to have any influence, you know, any any leavening influence over them, yeah. if they're willing to, to tell the Chinese to go screw, then you really do have to wonder whether they've become totally unhinged. But your point holds. I mean, your point is the point. But ironically... It's one of the reasons why maybe it's not just a routine matter. Well, time will tell. Uh, Jay, this, another thing is, too, when, when, when Obama talked about gun control, that's the thing to watch out for. Because, because you see, it's, it, it is piecemeal gun control, and the biggest danger in this country is not the dear leader. We know what he is. It, 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 it is the low-information voter who says, I, I want my I want my buffalo wings. I want my beer. Where's the hot woman? And and is and is the Bruins game on tonight? That's the most <laughs> that's the most dangerous element in this country because yeah no the the, the erosion of the United States. Well, I don't want to make this fancier than it needs to be. The erosion yeah. of law, the erosion of American law. Law at its best is can only be the reflection of a culture. And if our cultural mores, which are reflected in our laws, if those erode to the point that the Constitution of the United States can be dismissed out of hand by an illegal president, then we are truly not just in trouble, Jeff. We are truly doomed. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. We are the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jaily News. Excelsior. Welcome back, my radio family, my broadcast partners. I am Jay Severin, one 888 Let me run down quickly some bullet points, some important news items, so they don't become yesterday's fish. And then we will proceed directly uh, to, firstly, your calls as they arrive, and secondly, 
to the hard politics of the moment, including Blaze Blitz, subject to name change. Many people have called me and uh, tweeted everything, emailed, suggested that it's a lame name. If it is, then obviously I don't know any better because I'm the one who did it. So uh, I'll be I'll be accepting uh, suggestions. Anything containing Guru J will will probably be subject to some favoritism. Okay, Uh, I mentioned this as a matter of important bookkeeping, housekeeping, and also so that we together can put our hands together and thank the gods for the truly exciting news cycle in which we are living and making together. Because this is government. It's really politics, but it's in that twilight zone between government and politics where it it's going to seem pretty boring compared to what's happening out on the campaign trail. But it is not unimportant, and it's important for you to know. Today, the Republican-controlled House and Senate of the United States of America is going, for the first time I can recall ever, to act like one, to behave like one. Today, the... United States Congress is planning to vote affirmatively on a bill which would repudiate and eliminate, kill Obamacare, pull it out by the roots, and also defund Planned Parenthood. This bill will pass in the House. It will pass in the Senate. It will go to the president's desk. It is the fulfillment of a promise that without which, this is probably the reason the Republicans won control of the House and the Senate, is that we were so angered over the failure of rhinos to do what they told us they would do, what they promised they would do. Well, today, in the eighth year of the Obama presidency, In the eighth year, when it's too late, they will send to Obama's desk a bill that kills Obamacare and kills Planned Parenthood. Now, it is too little too late, but it ain't worthless. Here's why it ain't worthless. It's going to cause Obama to veto the bill. Clearly, he can't sign it. His legacy legislation, the legacy piece of socialistic legislation in American history. So Obama is going to veto it. But it's going to make him veto it. And when he vetoes this bill to defund Obamacare, when he vetoes this, ensuring the provision of your tax dollars to suck babies' brains out. Sorry. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. That's what it is. It, you know, Veritas. It is what it is. When Obama is forced to stand up in public and veto both of those, 
he's going to be forced to stand up in public and veto both of those. And only by demonstrating to people who, unlike us, do not follow the news every day and do not cannot figure out how to make things better or why it's better to vote for conservatives than for progressives. This is part of a process. And yes, it's fairly boring, and yes, it's fairly governmental as opposed to political, but you know what? That's why we have a governmental structure. And it's the worst in the world, to borrow a phrase, it's the worst system in the world except for any other. It's the worst in the world except for all others. And only by forcing our hand, such as it is at the moment, and we hope to increase it, by showing the world, by forcing Obama, despite his tibuhu, oh, Bahamahu, <laughs> by the way, in the first two years of Obama's presidency, he controlled the House and the Senate and could have gotten a vote, which he would have signed, through the House and the Senate, i.e., by constitutional means, he could have had gun control measures. All he had to do was ask. There was never such a bill proposed and never such a vote taken. Gee, I, I wonder why. Don't they have calendars up there at the White House? All right, so that's going to happen. Want you to know about it. In, I said yesterday, Munich. I was not wrong, even though I was incorrect. Because the BBC reported last night, in the middle of the night, uh, our time, that this was happening in Munich. They corrected it today. Apparently, it's happening in uh, Cologne, Germany, and all across German points of entry for Afghan, Syrian, and African uh, refugees and migrants. And that is the routine beating, sexual assault, and rape of girls. I mean, girls. I mean, girls. And women. As I reported to you yesterday, based on a BBC report, even though the German government, to avoid embarrassment, embarrassment, is trying to bury these stories and get their media not to run it, to spike the stories, they don't have a First Amendment. Hey, Obama, perhaps you'd enjoy being president of Germany. Just think about it. You'd be unburdened by that toilsome thing called a constitution. In Germany, where they have no First Amendment, the government is spiking stories about what has become routine, the rape of white German women by young men of color who are from Africa, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Syria, the pitiable migrants, the pitiable refugees. Because when women and girls visited an ancient, a traditional cathedral on New Year's Eve. They were beaten to the ground and raped. 
by the pitiable migrants. And now we learn, because it's gotten the attention of media from other countries, like Great Britain and France, that this has become routine, that hundreds of women have been beaten and raped. They cannot walk down the street in their native German towns because the young, pitiable migrants flood out of the churches and other things they've turned into flop houses and assault and rape girls and women. But German Chancellor Merkel doesn't want you to know that because it might make her decision to turn Germany into half a Syria, you know, might look bad. That's what's actually happening. Rape, terror in Germany by the pitiable migrants. Oh, but, oh, but don't worry. Those same refugees would never do that in other countries, right? I mean, they would never do it in, say, Sweden, France, Holland, Belgium, uh, Finland, uh, Spain, uh, England, uh, oh, and America. Uh, When they came here, because they're already here and coming by the thousands, that's not a cultural thing, right? That's not a thing that these pitiable migrants beat to the ground and rape girls and women uh, they must have picked that up in Germany, right? That, that's uh, I don't know where they got that from. But when they come live here in your town, they're not going to do that, r- right? This is Jay Severin, Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. baby palm politics of the moment donald trump is a birther again i i see I, I didn't mind it when he was a birther and the uh subject was obama who i still don't believe was born in america nor otherwise qualifies for american citizenship that's just me i i it's what i happen to believe and the great news about that is we don't have to, I don't have to bore you with it. Uh, that's all I intend to say about it, at least for the moment. And the other great piece of news is no one can do anything to stop me from saying it. I mean, someone could, my boss could, but I, I don't believe he will because it's just my opinion. But we're not talking about Obama right now. Uh, we're talking about. Donald Trump being a birther, only this time it's Ted Cruz's citizenship that Trump is challenging. I have heard the sound bites, perhaps you have, of Trump on the campaign trail starting last night, saying with greatly painful and transparent insincerity, quote, 
Gee, I sure hope this isn't a problem for Ted because I really like him. I really like him. I sure, poor Ted. I hope this thing about not being born in America is not a problem for him, you know, because he wasn't born in America. He was born in Canada. And, uh, you know, I know he says this Canadian or until recently had a Canadian passport and an American one, but, which, by the way, ought to tell you something, but, uh, but I really like Ted. I hope it's not a problem for him because I really like him, but he just may not be eligible to be president. Well, that's, that's cute. I just wanted to make sure you knew as a partner, as a shareholder, you know, like the people own the Green Bay Packers, you own this show. You own a share in this show. As shareholders, I thought you, uh, I ought to make sure you know that in point of law, i.e. in point of fact, this matter of cruises or anyone's citizenship under the same circumstances is a matter of long settled law that's a term of art in in the law settled law means it's not dynamic it means it's not unsettled it means it's not currently litigious it's not being adjudicated it has been adjudicated it is settled law like several sons who sought and or held the American presidency before him, who were born abroad to legally visiting American presidents. I'm sorry, parents, legally visiting American parents abroad. Ted Cruz is, by American law, an American, a native-born American. If you are born to American citizen parents, you are a native-born American. Just by way of a quick couple of samples, John McCain was born in Panama, in the Panama Canal Zone, because his father was an admiral serving there. He was born to his parents in Panama, but his parents were American citizens, to say the very least. And thus, John McCain was, is, and shall forever be, notwithstanding his current views to the contrary, uh, an American. Uh, let me see, who else? There's, um, there were a bunch of guys back around the Founding Fathers' time. Uh, I know, I know, I heard one today. Barry Goldwater was born in Arizona when it was a territory. It wasn't a state. It did not have the status. Uh, it wasn't America. It wasn't an American state yet. Uh, and uh, yet he was a native-born American. Look, the, 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 the important thing to know is it's settled law. Period, period, paragraph. Now, to get to politics uh, of the moment. That will buy Cruz, I'm sorry, Trump, a couple of news cycles, but 
I wonder what impact it will have once it's known that it's settled law. I think Trump wants to be careful. Uh, I hope he's not because I'm a Cruz guy and always have been. And I think it's very interesting what's happening. And what's happening is that Trump is starting to attack Cruz even on the foulest, cheapest of rationales because he can read a poll. And Ted Cruz is ahead in Iowa right now. But I, I want we will get back to this presently, but I wish to caution anyone whom is uh, cheered, whom is cheered? Who is cheered? Who is cheered by Cruz's status in Iowa at the moment? And that is, I underscore, at the moment. Ted Cruz is ahead in Iowa today. There, there is a recent history of candidates in Iowa who were ahead or behind a week out, four days out, two days out, who completely upset the apple cart. So I'm not being a naysayer for Ted Cruz. Again, I have, all, I have never wavered, varied in my original support for him, which goes back years, as I hope you'll recall. Uh, then, since, and now. But because he's ahead now, today, doesn't mean he's going to be ahead in 24 days. That's when he needs to be ahead. And next, uh, before we get into some numbers and particular campaigns, I do want to have a word with you. Last night, I saw the single most impressive, the single most, I believe, significant piece of political news in this campaign. And I don't mean the Republican primary. I mean the general election for president. The most cheering, uplifting, encouraging, supportive moment that I have ever seen or heard, which of course means something dreadful for Hillary Clinton, (laughs) occurred last night. I'm going to share it with you in a minute, and I think you'll be happy. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. And partners, one 3393 on the Blaze Radio Network. Let me share with you the single most, in my professional opinion, the single most significant and encouraging observation of this campaign. Uh, a, a telltale, if you will. A, a barometer, a leading political indicator of this national campaign, the most encouraging one I have seen probably since Obama's election, but certainly in the last year or two of this campaign when we knew we faced 
the horrific probability of a Hillary Clinton presidency in this election. Please listen carefully, and it's very, very simple. It just might not at first blush mean as much to you because I have spent my life in a business, as many of us, most of us have. And were you a master electrician or a platoon leader or a plumber or an insurance executive or a physician or a mother of four? And you came back to me and said, you see this? See this, what, what happened last night? This means something. It doesn't guarantee it, but this means something. All right, this is the first of what I hope will be many such moments. Listen to this. Last night, no, I'm sorry, night before last, because last night, right after the show, I was dealing with the uh, following our guys pinned down in Benghazi 2 over there in Afghanistan. But when the political news finally came on, there was a feature, you know, they, they hit the campaign trail stories. And hours before, Donald Trump had visited on the campaign trail, had dropped in by plan. Now, remember this. This is part of a plan. He didn't show up there because he just got off the bus there. Donald Trump showed up in Lowell, Massachusetts. Now, ironically, I, I, I just finished a moment ago sending an, uh, a tweet to uh, a friend of mine, a dear friend uh, uh, who takes great pride in being a homie. Uh, a Boston boy, and a Harvard man. He is not from Lowell. But Lowell, Massachusetts, let me just tell you very quickly something about Lowell. I don't know it well. It's a city of about 100,000. As such, it's the fourth largest city in the state of Massachusetts. Fourth largest city in the state. It is one of those, forgive me, Lowell, it is one of those cities in the Merrimack River Valley. There is a Merrimack River. It was the source, it was the vein of commerce, industry, and life from the time of the Native Americans through the settlers up through the Industrial Revolution Lowell sits like other, you know, such cities, Fall River and others. You could not get a more blue-collar Democrat, dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, monolithically, generationally, unfailingly Democrat city for every generation since there's been a Democrat party. You could not get more Democrat city 
uh, a more Democrat city than Lowell, Massachusetts, along with Fall River and Worcester and a lot of those cities that sit along a river, in this case the Merrimack River, which used to be its lifeblood. Lowell used to produce leather and shoes and clothing and, and, and generation after generation of newly arrived American immigrants went to work in the factories of Lowell and other such cities and produced the light to middle to heavy industry, which was the backbone of America, until for various reasons that started to collapse. And now Lowell, though it has struggled desperately, mightily, and, and, and I, I don't know, perhaps successfully, I just don't know enough about it, to you know, reinvent itself. This former, what used to be a farming community and then uh, a mill town, that's what Lowell was. And I could probably just shut up and tell you that, that Lowell, Massachusetts was one of the most, the best known all-American mill towns in America. They made stuff. In any case, you could not find, you could not find or imagine a town that was more politically Democrat than Lowell, Massachusetts, and the other cities that ring the Merrimack River and the Merrimack River Valley in Massachusetts. When they talk about Massachusetts and it's being Democrat and liberal, this is what they're talking about. This is, this is, Six, seven, eight generations of Americans who made their living with their hands. This is a famous, great American mill town, is Lowell, Massachusetts, which has seen better times. But they are a proud, hardworking lot. And they are monolithically Democrat. All right. Forgive me for the lengthy, wordy, blowhard setup. But I've known this about Lowell and Fall River and the Merrimack River. I've, you know, I've known the politics of Massachusetts long before I lived here. I'm a native New Yorker. But last night, I saw a film of a visit to the biggest arena in Lowell, Massachusetts, which you might imagine, you know, ain't Madison Square Garden. But it's probably a 2,500-seat, 3,000-seat arena. Hockey. Hockey arena. It's the biggest venue, you know, in town, as they say. And Donald Trump, not a Democrat. Donald Trump, furthest from what anyone could conceive of characterizing as a Democrat. Yes? Donald Trump went to Lowell last night. And the networks had, the media had a choice. They could cover it or not cover it. Sweet. So they had to cover it. They covered it. 
in Lowell, Massachusetts with big problems. Lots of problems. I don't, I'm not going to go into it. I don't want to insult them. But like other cities who have seen better times, this is a city that has every reason to want and need big government, to rely on government, to need government, to be Democrat, as always they have been and voted. Donald Trump visited Lowell last night, and the network television cameras showed people waiting six and eight abreast for half a mile down the city's main boulevard, waiting to get in to this auditorium. And then they showed shots of the auditorium. But it wasn't a hockey game. It was Donald Trump, whom you would think would be the Antichrist to people in Lowell. And there was Donald Trump in the biggest arena in town People waiting hours to get in that jammed the place to the rafters. If the Bruins had been playing there last night, this wouldn't have been harder to get in than it was with Donald Trump there. The people of Lowell, the hardworking, blue-collar, eighth-generation Democrat women and men of Lowell, waited hours to get in to see Donald Trump, filled that arena, and cheered him wildly. Now, I have this to say to you. All of my experience in national politics, all of my instincts, anything I have to offer you tells me this. This is the first time I looked at the TV screen and said to myself, holy blank, if Donald Trump is received, and I don't mean, I'll bet it could have been Ted Cruz, but maybe not. These were all Democrats. And of course, that's where Trump's vote is. But that's another story we can soon discuss. So maybe it could have been any Republican. I don't know. But in Lowell, Massachusetts last night, eighth-generation Democrats lined up to fill and maniacally cheer the outsider, non-Democrat candidate. And it's the first time I could look at the television screen or anything else and say to myself, holy blank, Hillary Clinton, if she's watching this, is peeing her pants because if someone like Donald Trump can fill up the hockey arena in Lowell, Massachusetts, there's something happening here. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.
This is the Jay Severin Show. These are my partners. one 888 We are the Blaze Radio Network. I sat there last night and I watched that network report on two or three different networks. I now am told from my homies who know the Songus Arena better than I do because I didn't know it was the Songus Arena. Um, it's seven to 8,000 seats. It was filled to capacity with people waiting a half a mile down the street trying to get in. In Lowell, Massachusetts. I wonder when is the last time Lowell, Massachusetts and the congressional district they're in, I'll have to look this up. I wonder when is the last time they had a Republican congressman or a Republican mayor or voted for uh, as a county or as a congressional district voted Republican in a congressional election or a gubernatorial election or a Senate election or in any other election. My friends, I'm not playing the homie card here. I'm, I'm not because honestly, though I've lived now, uh, what, 11, 12 years in Massachusetts, not counting the time in, you know, in schools and all that. I'm a New Yorker uh, originally. So I'm not, I'm no expert in local. I don't know, I don't know anything about local uh, Massachusetts politics. You know, other than whatever I pick up because I'm a professional politician, right? If, and I know that I've harped on this, but I want to give you a reason to believe. And I'm telling you that wherever you're from, and I can't think if it's equivalent, it would be like being in New York City or in Los Angeles or Oakland. Or we're not talking about a place here that's like Colorado. We're not talking about a lot of young independents. There ain't any independence in Lowell, Massachusetts. There's independence, but with an E-N-C-E. There's independence, and their ancestors fought for it. But there are no political independents in Lowell, Massachusetts. They are all proud Democrats. And once upon a time, they were all proud Reagan, as in Ronald Reagan Democrats. And what I saw last night doesn't guarantee anything. You know there are no guarantees in life if you've seen anything of life. But I tell you, as a professional in this business, I have never seen anything in the last two years nearly remotely as encouraging to the defeat of Hillary Clinton as this story. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.